Matthew chapter 25 from verse 31, Jesus speaking, we know this is God's Word. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Well, please do come with me to Matthew's Gospel and turn your Bibles with me, <clears throat> excuse me, to Matthew chapter 25 uh, as we think about this theme of justice. I wonder what uh, thoughts or what feelings were conjured up inside of yourself uh, as we watched that video. In Nigeria, over, as Nigel said, over 100 million Christians, and 14 Christians are killed every day at the hands of Boko Haram. Fourteen Christians every day. You think about that, I'm sure we could fit very close to 14 Christians across a pew here if we all, if we all shoved in a little bit. Fourteen Christians every day. Over 5,000 Christians were murdered last year by Islamic extremists in Nigeria. That's 89% of all Christian deaths in our world because of persecution. Is there any justice? War crimes against innocent people in villages and towns across Ukraine, shelling, missile attacks, abuse from foot soldiers. Is there any justice? Our hearts long for justice, don't they? 
our hearts cry for justice as we, as we watch that video, as we, as we see an innocent family laying desolate because of the hands of wicked men. As we look across the international stage, our heart cries for justice, but also at a personal level. And it doesn't have to be major crimes or war crimes that make us cry for justice. Let's think about these. It happens at lots of different levels. If you have a brother or a sister in your house whenever it came to dividing up a dessert portion, you would have cried for justice if you got a smaller dessert portion than your brother or, or than your sister. Or if they happened to get slightly more diluting juice than what you got, you would have cried for justice. Or when your sports team is on the receiving end of a yellow card or a red card or a decision by a referee that you think is totally unjust, you, you, you long for justice. Or whenever you're standing in the line at Little and somebody cuts in in front of you, I don't know what it is about Little, but they're really long lines these days, I don't know, it seems to be very busy, and someone maybe nips in in front of you, what do you do? You cry for justice. Or whenever you come back to your car after being in Little and someone's put a dent into the side of it because they've opened their door into yours, you want justice. And we could go through several different things. When someone gets the, the job promotion ahead of you, and you know rightly it's only because of who they are. When you're at traffic lights and someone comes shooting past because they have ran a red light. When the person at school or uni does no work and still gets the first. When the laziest person in the workplace gets praised for doing something and you know fine rightly it wasn't them when you hear someone gossiping about you or about your friend behind your back, when someone wrongs you and steals your reputation with lies, or maybe whenever you get diagnosed with an illness, when someone we love dies, when the wrong seems to be right and when evil seems to thrive, what do we call for? We call for justice. Now, what we got to realize tonight is that even if we had the best justice system in the whole world, it still wouldn't be enough. Why wouldn't it be enough? Well, the best justice system could not bring back people who have lost their lives as a result of others. The justice system cannot give back what others have taken. It cannot undo actions. They cannot make right every wrong. We need more. We need something better tonight. We need to know that one day there will be a judge who will come and who will execute justice. And as we start to think about this tonight, this is a facet of the gospel that I think often gets overlooked, but it is wonderful good news for us tonight that the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth, our holy Savior, will come and He will sit upon the throne of justice. Now, again, imagine this scene with me. It's uh, early in the morning, your alarm goes off, you hit snooze, and you think to yourself, I'll have a few more minutes. Uh, and then you suddenly look at the clock and you realize, I don't have enough minutes left. Uh, and so you try to get yourself ready quickly. You don't have time for a shower. So, well, it works for maybe us men. You put your head under the tap and, and you give it a little <laughs> bit of cold water, and then you put the towel over it. Uh, and you put the toast into the toaster and you brush your teeth at the same time, and you run out the door, you're half covered in toothpaste, and you're eating an unbuttered piece of bread in the car as you drive along to work, and you're, 
to put it in Northern Ireland terms, you're flying along the road, okay? So you're absolutely lit as you come along the road. And there, what, what's standing in front of you? The police with the, the speed gun out. And you think to yourself, oh no, here we go. Here we go. I, I, I'm going to wait for the judgment that's going to come. What will it be? Will it be three penalty points? Will it be six penalty points? Will it be the speed awareness course? We all love to see that coming in, don't we? <laughs> We've got off with one. The speed awareness course comes. We're not sure what the judgment's going to be. Three points, six points, speed awareness course. What type of fine is, is it going to be? And so we wait. We wait for the coming judgment. And that's really our first point. The judge is coming. The judge is coming. There's an uncertainty around the judgment of a speeding ticket, and it's awful. But whenever we think about Jesus coming and the return of Jesus to this earth, I wonder how does it make us feel? Whenever we talk about the judge coming, what does that conjure up inside of yourself initially? Is it good, or do you think it's going to be bad? Is it fear that you feel, or is it confidence? Is it hope? Or is it despair? For a long time, whenever I heard about Jesus coming as the judge, whenever that was mentioned, I was frightened. I thought things like, oh no, have I done enough? I won't be good enough. Or perhaps I'm in for a telling off. I wonder how it makes you feel to know that the judge is coming. Well, with that in mind, let's, let's go to Matthew chapter 25, and let's look at verse 31, because I think we'll see something new in this tonight, or, or perhaps it's, it's something that you've heard before, but that you've perhaps not thought about for a while. Matthew 25, verse 31, talking about the final judgment, Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. See, glory mentioned twice. It's a, it's a different way to think of things, isn't it? He comes in his glory with all of the angels. This is, this is what? This is good news. And he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered, verse 32. It's a weighty thing. It's a majestic image, isn't it? It's a display of great power before us. And what we will have is the greatest roll call in all of history. No one will be missed. No one will be absent. The judge is coming. And I want you to be convinced tonight, if you are a Christian, that that is good news. This is great news. This is glorious news for us. This is part of the gospel. The judge is coming. The king is coming with vengeance, with vengeance against his enemies. Isn't this what we long for? Our police and our justice system, they can't do this, but the Lord will do it. And what's he going to come to do? Well, chapter 25 tells us he's coming to claim his church, isn't he? You're my people. He's coming to bring blessing and final rest for his chosen people. He's coming to rescue us from this evil age. He is coming to execute judgment upon every single human being. And for those outside of Christ, that is a great and a scary thought. We, we, we think often, uh, whenever we talk about the judgment, of that image from Exodus, don't we? 
If you're not familiar with that passage in in Exodus, uh, part of Israel's history, they were in captivity in Egypt, and the Lord speaks to His people, and He he asks them to to kill a a perfect little lamb, a a spotless lamb, and to mark their door frame with the blood of that lamb. And as they mark the door frame, as the angel of the Lord passes over, He will know which ones have been obedient to Him and who haven't. Uh, The judgment comes across the people. And those who have been marked with the blood, those who are covered under the blood, well, the angel passes them by. There's mercy for them. And so that image stands for us in the the judgment that is to come. You see, Jesus really did walk this earth. He really did come here. And He now sits at His Father's right hand. But the Scriptures tell us He will come again. And He will come, and whenever He comes, He will sit upon this throne, and Matthew 25 tells us He's going to call all the nations, verse 32. And from this position, He will judge. And those who do not trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who are not, as it were, under His blood, well, they will face a great judgment. Now, this really is good news. It's good news because it's part of the the gospel that the early church taught. It's what the apostles taught. In Acts chapter 10 and in verse 42, Paul says this, the Lord commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead to preach the good news, and to tell the people that the Lord is going to be the judge of the living and the dead. And again, whenever Paul's in Athens in Acts 17, and he preaches the gospel, he includes that Jesus will one day come to judge the world. Why does he do that? He does that because this is what we need. This is what we long for, justice. And it's what we say in the Apostles' Creed, isn't it? On the third day, He rose again, and He ascended into heaven, and He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come to judge the living and the dead. So, for those of us who are trusting in the Lord Jesus tonight, this news that the judge is coming should be great relief for us. It should be part of some of the best news that we have ever heard. One day soon, Christ Jesus will return and sit on the judgment seat and execute full and final justice for all mankind. Good news. So, Jesus, we're told in Revelation 19, is on His way. One day soon, What John saw in Revelation 19 will come to pass. And what did John see? Listen to these words. Verse 11, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. He's talking about Jesus. Verse 12, His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe, dripped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. 
He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Something that we're tempted to be frightened at, aren't we? But Matthew 25, verse 31, this is going to be a glorious scene. And so, what should our prayer be? As we look and as we, as we scan across all of the injustice in the world, our prayer should be, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly and end this world. Come and exercise your authority. Put right all of the wrongs. Pay the evil with their wage. The judge is coming. And it's good news. The judge is coming. Secondly, justice will be enjoyed. Justice will be enjoyed. We love justice being served other people. We love it whenever other people get what they deserve. That funny little word, comeuppance, whenever it comes around, it feels good that they deserved, that they deserve what they got. Again, to use an illustration, when someone flies past us, perhaps on the northway between Portadown and Lurgan, uh, and they're weaving in and out of traffic, and then they come to the next set of traffic lights, and they're just as far on as you, you think, ha, justice for you. There you go. Or whenever the person who makes your life a misery and work gets brought before HR, you're thinking, ha, you see, you'll always get caught in the long grass. We love justice being served. Perhaps back to the dessert illustration, and it, the plates are set out, uh, and uh, your mum or your dad, uh, they were able to see that one person has a bigger slice than the other, and they come along with the knife, and they just take a little sliver off it, so to balance things up. We, we love justice, and justice tonight is to be enjoyed. Jesus the judge in Matthew 25 comes, and He comes to do what? He comes to serve justice. And so, we read what happens Well, before him, verse 32, will be gathered all the nations, and what will he do? He will separate people from one another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. What a day it's going to be. Jesus will sit, and he will sentence the evil and the wicked people to condemnation. And so, the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Westminster Confession is a, is a document, it's a, a document that we hold to within the Presbyterian Church. And on this subject of judgment, in chapter 33 and in paragraph 1, it says this, all persons that have lived upon the earth shall appear before the tribunal of Christ to give an account of their thoughts, their words and deeds, and to receive according to what they have done in body, whether good or evil. And this is a, a section that we're going to come on to as well. So, what is, what is, what is it that we hear in, in Matthew 25? There's no hiding place. There's no pretending. There will be all of the people of all of the earth, the living and the dead, before the tribunal of Christ, and we will have to give an account of our thoughts, our words, our deeds, and we will receive according to what we have done, whether good or evil. No pretending. No more will the goats be able to mingle in with the sheep and pretend and cut their hair in a certain way to make sure that they look like a sheep. They'll be exposed. There's no camouflage for the wicked. 
It's a theme that runs throughout Matthew's gospel. Matthew 16 and 27, it says this, for the Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory, notice that word again, of His Father, and He will repay each person according to what He has done. Jesus sits on the throne of judgment that has been given to Him by His Father, and He will begin the great separating work of Matthew 25 and 33. The sheep will go to his right, and the goats will go to his left. And then look at verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. There's a weight to this tonight, isn't there? We cannot mess with the Lord. We see two destinies, judgment and into the place of fire, into the the place that we know is hell, and then others into eternal life. This judgment, what does it do? It affirms the wrath of God and the love of God. We, we see the love of God, and how do we, how do we uphold the love of God? We, we see that in light of His wrath, that He is just and holy, and He is right to do this. His mercy that He extends to us, His people, can only be viewed in light of this. And so, God's wrath is not unmerited. It is not Him losing His temper. It is a righteous anger. It's perfect justice. Now, whenever we start to talk about these things, it can make us uncomfortable tonight. It can make lots of people uncomfortable as we talk about the wrath of God, as we talk about this place called hell. But there are preachers who want to try and air-condition hell. They want to try and make it a more sanitized version, a toned-down version of what the Scriptures teach. But to do that would be to to bring a great disservice upon Scripture, because in Matthew 24 and in verse 51, what do we see? Matthew 24, verse 51, maybe a page just before our section. We hear that it will be a place where this person will be cut into pieces, and he will put them with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping, and there will be the gnashing of teeth. Why do we talk about this? We talk about this because it's a reality. In Luke 16, we're told that that the rich man is in torment and in anguish in the flames. God will come, Jesus will appear, and He will judge the living and the dead, and there will be those who will be cast to His left hand, and they will go to this place of torment. And this place of torment, let's not be confused or mistaken for what it's like. It's not just this place where there'll be a wild party and, and there will be the, the hardcore rock and roll band playing and it'll be, it'll be just some mental, uh, eternal rave or party. That is not what hell is to be like. It is eternal punishment. There's torment and anguish. Again, that section of the confession that we had on the screen just a moment ago, it 
it's chapter 33 and paragraph 2. Then shall the righteous go into everlasting life and receive that fullness of joy and refreshing which shall come from the presence of the Lord. Can't wait for that. The refreshing of the Lord and His joy. But the wicked who know not God and obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ shall be cast into eternal torments and be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. This is good news because the Bible acknowledges that in this life there will be many, many injustices. This life will not be fair. It will be filled with difficulty. There will be much to lament. But God will come. Christ will return. And this judgment that comes for all of us, that is pending for all of us, it should deter us from sin, and it should be a great comfort for the godly, a great comfort for us whenever we see injustice. Because look at Matthew 25, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You see, for the Christian, this final day, this greatest day in all of history, it will be the day when we are united with our beloved Savior and we will be taken into his kingdom. Blessed, the old order of things will have passed away. Jesus will look at us as brothers and sisters, and He will welcome us in. And it will be a glorious day, the judge of all the earth, of all of history, coming to us, and He will do what is right. And so our cry is, come, Lord Jesus. The judge is coming. Justice will be enjoyed. And finally, our appeal is this. As we recognize this, our appeal is to come and to shelter behind the throne. Come and shelter behind His throne. Sometimes, this happened rarely, but sometimes on the rugby field, you would get yourself into an an altercation, shall we say. And uh, whenever you're a younger player, perhaps you're keen to impress and a bit of a scuffle would break out in the, on the rugby pitch. But in those moments, and sometimes it may have happened to me, where an older, maybe the captain in the team, an older man in the team, a bigger man than yourself, would come in and he would, he would step into the place of you, and pull you back, get behind me. And he would stand in your place and everything would just die down because he was massive and no one wanted to pick a fight with him. In a sense, we were, we, I was sheltered behind the person. And that's, that's the image that I want to leave us with here tonight, that, that this throne, this judgment throne, there is a place of shelter behind it for all who would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, for all who would turn from their evilness and from their wicked ways. Because I want you to come with me to Psalm chapter 9. It was the psalm that we read as a call to worship, or a part of it as we read for a call to worship. And in Psalm chapter 9, And in verse 9, what do we hear? We hear that the Lord's upon the throne in verses 7 and 8. And again, that that image, that powerful image of the Lord. But then Psalm 9, verse 9, the Lord is what? The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. 
a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Jesus comes to judge the living and the dead. And that should be something that we eagerly anticipate. Christian, it should keep us focused on what is important and living our lives for the Lord. It should help us to endure the hardships that we face. And so, Christian, tonight, if you have suffered at the hands of people who are wicked, or if you're looking at your life tonight and you think to yourself, John, my life, it's so unfair. Trouble after trouble seems to roll in. And you can't make sense of it all. What do I want you to see tonight? I want you to see verses 7 and verse 8 of this psalm that the Lord is sitting on His throne. It has been established. And then verse 9, that He is a stronghold for you, Christian, for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria, who tonight in meetings right across that land are, are under great threat. What do they need to know? What do we need to know? We need to know that the Lord is a stronghold, a stronghold for the oppressed, that He's a stronghold for us in our times of trouble. Look at how the psalm comes to an end in verse 18. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. There will be many acts of injustice this side of eternity until the Lord returns. But He has not forsaken us. He has not forgotten us. And we need to keep our eyes fixed on this day that is to come, the day when Jesus will sit upon His throne, and, and each person who, is, who has worked their hands for evil will get their reward for it, for those who have abused, for those who have, who have trodden people under their feet, for those who who think that they have gotten away with it. For the wicked of this world who, who seem to thrive, the judge is coming. Christian, know that there's shelter for you behind the throne, and the Lord is a stronghold for us. Well, maybe tonight you're here and you're not a Christian, or you're watching online and you're not a Christian, and the news that Jesus is coming as judge does strike fear into your heart. It strikes fear into your heart, rightly so. You have no personal relationship with Jesus. You haven't trusted Him. And as we talk about the judge coming to serve His justice, you know that you will be on His left-hand side. You will be separated from sheep and goat, and you will be part of the goats. What do you need tonight? You need to know that there's shelter behind His throne that there's shelter available for you too. If, if you will run to Jesus, if you will trust Christ tonight, if you will ask for His forgiveness, if you will turn from your wicked ways, there is grace and there is mercy here to be found. And then you too can be sure that the verdict over your life will be salvation and eternal life. And for all of us here tonight,
If we have been weighing this up tonight as sheep and goats, good and bad, and we've been thinking to ourselves, well, at least I'm on the right side, this is a call tonight to look at our hearts, to see the, the injustice that maybe we have wrought, to see the people that we have perhaps trodden under our feet, to assess how we get on in the workplace or in the school or in the university, in the home. And this is an opportunity for us tonight to come again to the Lord and to shelter behind His throne, to run to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for how I have failed. You are the judge. And that should weigh heavy upon us. We've only scratched the surface of justice but our time is gone. The judge is coming. Justice will be enjoyed. Come and shelter behind His throne. When we watch the news this week and we see evil reigning, when we hear story after story of abuse and assault and murder, when we see our friends subjected to injustice, when we treat others or have been treated unfairly, know what? know the judge is coming. And when we wonder how long the drug dealers and those who abuse and the human traffickers and those who lobby for immorality at government will be allowed to prosper, when we wonder how long, know that one day soon justice will be enjoyed. And then for us, the words of that hymn, when he shall come with trumpet sound, Oh, may I then in Him be found, dressed in His righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. The Lord has been good to us, and He has dressed us in His righteousness and prepared us for the final day. Let's pray as we close.